It's time, clock reference, for another episode of the Advent Calendar House, and today we're taking a trip to Junctionville for a look at the 1974 Rankin-Bass special, Twas the Night Before Christmas. I'm the eccentric mayor of this podcast, Mike Westfall, and joining me is know-it-all rodent prodigy and returning guest, Joey O. Welcome back, Joey. I do have glasses like Albert. <laughs> so do I, I think. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Ready to talk about uh, mice and men. Oh, let's tell a story of both. Now, what's your history with watching this special? I just always really loved it, and uh, it's it's very quotable. The songs are really lovely, and I feel like over the years it got sort of short shrift because it's not as famous as, you know, Rudolph and Frosty or Run All the Time. I feel like this one sort of lost its profile over the years, and nowadays it's a little more obscure. You can only find it on free form, like, once a year. Like, if you look at the schedules, like, oh, Elf is on nonstop for a month. But Twelve's Night for Christmas is going to be on at 9.30 in the morning on Christmas Eve, and that's it. <laughs> Does Freeform still bust it out? I remember they did pretty much yeah. constantly in the 90s and, and uh, the, in the aughts, but I haven't seen it for the last few years. But oh, yeah. good, that, that makes me feel better. But that's seriously, that, like, if you look ahead on the schedule, it's like, oh, it's only playing once, and it's, yeah, like, it's something like that right around Christmas Eve at a super mm-hmm. inconvenient time. This is one I always had on VHS where we would just, you know, you'd tape things off the TV. So we had this big Christmas tape of cuts and bits and pieces of things. And then sometimes my parents would try to cut out the commercials and it didn't really work. This is one that they actually kept everything. And I remember I feel like there were commercials like the M&M's commercial that would play where it's just that here's a horse drawn sleigh with Christmas lights on it. I feel like I wanna be feeling. Look at the smile on my lips. I've got that feeling. Somewhere I know I have a VHS tape with the Christmas toy on it. I got the DVD of that. That's another episode where that's <laughs> just chopped to bits with with Kermit taken off. But somewhere we have, or my wife has brought back into my life a copy with Kermit in it. So both live in this house now in a, in a pile of movies. Chopping Kermit to bits, that's Doc Hopper's dream. <laughs> it finally happened. Oh. oh, man. Frog leg burger on a fried green bun. <laughs> Off to a great start about the Mouse Christmas cartoon. <laughs> All right, so Twas the Night Before Christmas has a, an interesting cast that I had to look up, other than uh, Joel Gray, who I realized last year, for some reason, I, I threw shade at during our Christmas Carol draft episode. Because <laughs> he was the ghost of Christmas past in the yeah. to Patrick Stewart Scrooge in 99. He's a creepy-looking man, but I forgot at the time. He was also Arvin Clone. I don't think, did you watch Alias by any chance? No, I didn't. He's an alias. He was a he was sort of the weird doppelganger of the main bad guy because he kind of looked like the other actor. Okay. So I'm like, oh yeah, he was in that, but he's still a creepy looking guy who was in Cabaret and you know, yes, he was in Broadway. That's the thing he's known for. Mm-hmm. He's known for Cabaret as the master of ceremonies, and he even performed a song from that uh, on the Muppet Show, yeah. bringing it back to Kermit. It was like a season one episode. It's like the third one in, and he's singing Willkommen. Well, he is. Um, I'm sorry, he was um, Mr. Trundle, Joshua Trundle. Joshua Trundle in this, yes. 
Uh, we start out with Joshua Trundle uh, reciting the story, Twas the Night Before Christmas, which turns out to be about his night before Christmas, and we cut in three minutes to midnight. And he gets to the part, not a creature was staring, not even a mouse, and we find out a mouse is staring, and that's really our narrator and main character for this story. A mouse who lives in the Trundle household and is sort of like his business partner? He's kind of like his, not his pet, but his, his best friend. And when they talk, it's not like he can't hear the, ma- the mice speak or anything. Right. It's not like you usually have it with mice living in a hole in someone's house where the humans aren't aware that the mice are around and the mice have to kind of tread carefully. They work together. They, they both are clockmakers, which will make sense as we go on if you haven't seen that. Well, if you haven't seen that, do your homework and then come back to this because uh, you can probably find it somewhere on the internet. Anyway, Father Mouse, played by George Goble. Yeah, I did a lot of research about George Goble because I did not know who he was, and now I know a lot about him. No. I have a whole bunch of notes. He's got one of those voices that sounded familiar every time I watched it, and I was like, maybe I just thought it was Dick Van Dyke. But (laughs) here he had his own variety show in the 50s, and then later he was a regular on Hollywood Squares around the time of this special. Um, IMDb taught me that he was in another Twas the Night Before Christmas. Was he? A few years later, okay, here's what it is. A Paul Lind special from 1977 with Anne Mira, who you may know as Kate Tanner's mom from ALF, (laughs) and Happy Days' Anson Williams. According to IMDb, and I quote, Potsy. This special was so poorly received by both critics and the publics, (laughs) placing number 30 in the Nielsen ratings, that it was never rebroadcast nor made available on VHS or DVD except in bootleg versions. Oh, it's Paul Lind. There's got to be some copy... (laughs) floating around somewhere how can that not be good twas the night before christmas charlotte uh, so um yeah there, there's who george goble is yeah he was a radio star he was on the red skeleton show so way before our time yes he's famous and there's not much there's a pretty small cast we'll, we'll get to the mayor because the mayor is a great character i looked up who that actor was so. i love the mayor yeah yes. <laughs> so we learned that these two work together as clockmakers uh, in the opening credits here and the mouse just sits on his shoulder like vermin isn't a health issue it's is it's interesting and i guess now's a good point to get into sort of the animation style of this special it's a rank and bass special but it's one of their traditionally animated ones and every human has a big old set of buck teeth, <laughs> thanks, I guess, to their familiarity with mice. Even the, the reindeer, Santa's reindeer, look like mice, I feel like. in this. They do, mice with antlers. So it's three minutes to midnight on Christmas Eve, and, and Father Mouse tells us uh, with a great starting line, as we say when approaching a tall piece of cheddar, better start from the top. <laughs> that is a great line. It is a great line, and then he takes us back two months ago, when uh, the mail came and it was letters to Santa that was all returned to them and stamped not accepted by addressee. This post is marked return the sender, I believe, is uh, how Dave Grohl worded it. (laughs) That was the first thing I thought of. These notes are marked return to sender. I was going to go with some Elvis. Address unknown. (laughs) And that leads to a crowd with, I guess, protest signs storming outside a town hall because, of course, it's got to be the government's fault. (laughs) 
But we'll get to the mayor later. Father Mouse does the sensible thing and calls the North Pole directly. He does. On an, old, an old-timey wall phone you have to crank. He asks, am I coming through? And the operator mouse in his little elf hat at the North Pole gives his most it's-not-our-fault customer service response. The equipment is in working order. And then we find out um, that Santa is mad at the entire town of Junctionville because there was a letter to the editor signed all of us that they need to go find now and luckily the mouse family happens to keep a collection of back issues of the local newspaper in their cellar like a bunch of pack rats oh ah. so while they're uh ruffling through that we cut to the mayor's office and let's talk about the mayor's voice uh john mcgiver what do you got about him uh he was a character actor who apparently was in mm. every single tv show ever in the 1960s <laughs> Now, when I looked him up on Wikipedia, they highlighted Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Manchurian Candidate, and Midnight Cowboy. And I didn't recognize him from anything. Yeah. He just he was just one of those character actors. But the mayor, I love how blustery the mayor is. And then his, <laughs> you know, he uses he uses large words. Large words. I oh, will get back to that later. He will. But, of all the cacophonous, oh heck, he makes one half whale of a clock. We have concluded that for reasons unknown, Mr. Claus. Santa, that is, has taken an unconscionable attitude of hostile retaliation toward, uh, oh, heck, he's mad at us. Yeah, that oh, heck, is, is how he kind of just centers himself again. And But his first line, you know, someone comes to him and he's like, citizens to see you, Mr. Mayor. Citizen, they're not allowed in here. This is public property. I love that. That's like the best straight-up joke in the whole special, too. It is, and it's timely because this special premiered four months after Richard Nixon resigned from the presidency. <laughs> I don't know if those two are related, but the timing's really right there. Junctionville mayor for president. <laughs> and oh, also when you see the politicians in, in City Hall, one of them's sleeping through the whole meeting. <laughs> That's right. Of and he course. tells the other one to vote, like, like, don't you dare say no. Like, don't you dare say no, McDevitt. <laughs> yes. You don't see a lot of that in children's uh, Christmas specials, but they kind of have a lot of fun with it here. And again, it was the 70s. It was the time Watergate was happening, and, well, it just ended. But Some light political satire in your Christmas special. Yeah, really. And this is when Joshua Trundle shows up and suggests, let's build a big old clock to play a song for Santa. As he flies over town exactly at midnight, Santa is definitely going to be exactly over your town at exactly midnight, your time. It can be everywhere at once. It's magic. These, yeah, these are like That's the people magic. who think the world is going to end, like, on East Coast time. <laughs> where, where is Junctionville? Where do you think it is? Well, we know it's a coastal town because, you see... Some kid later oh, throwing, yeah, yeah uh, at the ocean, like throwing a piece of artwork. He drew a picture of Santa that he just tosses into the ocean now that Santa turned his letter back. Which is a really emotional moment. Yeah, it is. Um, so we know it's a coastal town, but I want to get into a theory that this whole, well, the clock's going to strike midnight and he's going to be right over Junctionville. My theory is something I've wanted to bring up on this show. Santa's sleigh is a time machine. Ooh, happy Back to the Future Day. Happy Back to the Future Day. Well, witness the birth of Christ. Ooh, doubly so, because it, um, you know what the plot of this special is. 
It has to do with the clock tower. Save the clock tower. Yes. Oh, I didn't even plan that one. I did. Well done. <laughs> you got to say on brand here. Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking it's more of a TARDIS thing because that's how he fits everything in there. It's like a time and space sort of mechanism. Uh, but at some point, the legend of Santa Claus adds a bit where he shows up at exactly the stroke of midnight at your house. Out of our entire time zone, it's your house is where he'll be when the clocks chime 12. Which I always found kind of odd. But if you just say, no, Santa slays a time machine, all of this starts to make so much more sense. It's a good narrative shortcut. So I'm going to make that an official theory of the advent calendar house. We're sitting in a tiny house in a fictional family's living room anyway. Santa slays a time machine. It's canon. So uh, next, so so Joshua Trundle builds the clock. He works on the clock, and then we, uh, Ma Mouse, finds the letter. Dear editor, Santa Claus is a fraudulent myth rooted in unconscious fantasies and emerging as a deceitful lie. P.S. The reindeer are phony, too. Signed, all of us. So someone decided to write to their local paper, Hey, y'all, Santa's bullcrap. <laughs> that's another one. I just, it's just maybe his George Goebbels voice. There's a lot of phrasing that sticks out of my mind. And that whole line I said earlier, like, large words, large words. <laughs> yes. And then he realizes, oh, no, it was written by his own egghead son, Albert, played by Tammy Grimes. Who is Tammy Grimes? I know Frank Grimes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they're related. She's the titular character of the musical The Unsinkable Molly Brown in the 60s when that debuted. Oh, now I'm looking at her, her Wikipedia and seeing who she's related to. Yes, she's Christopher Plummer's first wife and Amanda Plummer's mom. Do you know who Amanda Plummer is? Uh, I know the name. I'm looking up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you know Amanda Plummer from? Uh, looking up, she was she's in Pulp Fiction. Okay, that's not the role that I immediately recognized her when I pulled her up. She's like, that's she had a role in Catching Fire, which I saw. Did you see So I Married an Axe Murderer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who spoilers, she is. everyone. She's the axe murderer. Yeah, I've seen So I Married an Axe Murderer like a million times, right. which means I've heard. Which means I've heard the laws. There she goes again. Five, six, seven million times. <laughs> One time when I watched it, I tried to keep track. I, I made, like, hash marks of how many times that song shows up in it. Oh, man. Now we are Please way off more. beaten. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tangents are welcome here. That's how we go. Uh, and the other credit that Tammy Grimes uh, that stood out to me was that she was Molly in The Last Unicorn. I never saw The Last Unicorn. Oh, that's one of those where you might not like it if you see it now. Mm-hmm. That's one of those that it's a product of its time. Like, I have a friend when we were, oh, I want to say early 20s, we put on Labyrinth for him. He had never seen it. He, we're done. And he's like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And we're both like, what? And that's when it hit us. You really had to be the right age, the right, at the right time in order to appreciate this stuff for a lot of this stuff. Mm hmm. Which is sort of the the theme of this whole podcast. It is. I mean, I wonder how, you know, like kids, have you shown your kids Twas Night Before Christmas? I, I'm sure I have once, but it's not one of those things where they want to 
ask to watch again. Now, they love a Muppet Family Christmas, the Muppet Christmas Carol. That's become a thing that they ask for. Uh, but, you know, the Muppets are a little more timeless than something like The Last Unicorn, I guess. Or Arthur Mouse. Or Arthur Mouse. <laughs> and Albert replies, yes, father, not answering Albert, to his name. Uh, oh, oh, we're talking about, yes, Albert Mouse. Albert replies, yes, father, not answering to his name, but admitting before his dad could say anything, it was him. And to me, I'm thinking, it's me, Austin. (laughs) I wrote the letter. (laughs) Chris Kringle, you're fired. (laughs) All of us in the letter was Albert and his friends because they couldn't possibly be taken to mean an entire town. Also, we don't meet Albert's friends, ever. No. Does he have any friends? Probably. He seems like a social enough guy, even though he doesn't look it. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think his friends are actually, you know, like Copernicus. Oh, could be. Could his be friends like are, are the great philosophers. Oh, see. What, and that's... Yeah. Well, and that brings uh, his dad's comment right after that into more light to me. I, I wrote down that he said, you don't know as much as you think because you only think with your head. So you have a lot of trouble believing in things you can't see or touch. And then Albert asks, like, what things? And we launch into our first song, Give Your Heart a Try. How about fairies and leprechauns on St. Patrick's Day? How about just about everything that makes a holiday gay? There's more to the world when doubts in your mind give your heart a try let up a little on the wonder why and give your heart a try which was cut from the uh, the version that you found online maybe they cut it out of the abc family broadcast oh could be maybe they yeah they it was cut a it. really hard cut too but that would make sense because that was about the right time length of something that you would see on abc family that's definitely what it was ripped from. Okay, yeah, I did I did see that watermark there. Then I found another version of it on the Internet ar- Archive that has the song in there. And it's more of a smooth transition because that's the actual special. And it starts out, How about fairies and leprechauns on St. Patrick's Day? Which is Rankin Bass's usual reminder that, hey, other holidays exist too. The whole scene where the, the mice turn into leprechauns always kind of weirded me out. They're already anthropomorphic mice. Right? Now they're mice slash leprechauns for a part of a musical number. For most of that musical number. Yeah. They just stay leprechauns. Well, I mean, Albert kind of morphs into, well, he's Prince Charming and he's, uh, what was he, like the guy who found a golden egg. He has a lady mouse to dance with. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes. That we never see again. Well, she's a, a imaginary. She's in his head. His dream girl, like Dave Matthews sang about. <laughs> right? But the chorus uh, goes, and I like this little thought, and this is the theme of the whole special, that let up a little on the wonder why and give your heart a try, which is a cute message for a special about believing in Santa, but it comes off as kind of a backfire to Albert's pompousness. And he's like, it's like that old series of Applejack's commercials why do you like the cereal called Apple Jacks? It doesn't taste like apples. I don't know, Dad. We just do. Call me stupid, but if you named it Apple Jacks, shouldn't it taste like, well, apple? Stupid. 
That is why it tastes so good. Well then, know-it-alls. Why? They just do. Yeah. I hate that campaign. I always oh, did. It makes so no sense. That was it. It was just, we just do. Do we? <laughs> peak 90s. Back to peak 70s. They don't linger on that point. Instead, Dad takes them around the town to show him, look at all these people whose Christmas you've ruined with your opinions. Which is just A-plus parenting. <laughs> <laughs> they go to a hospital full of crying children. This is your fault, son. And then we get back to the little boy who's the best artist in school, throws his drawing of Santa into the ocean. That's legit sad, too. <laughs> it is. Also of note there, the best artist in school, Davy Thomas, is black. I'm not 100% positive, but I think that might be the first African-American character in a Rankin-Bass holiday special. Hmm. Doesn't have any lines or anything. I think there's a family, too, that you see at some point. Yeah, a whole family that is separate. Like, that kid's not mixed in there, so way to realize demographics are a thing. <laughs> this is only 10 years removed from Rudolph, so not great, but... We got there. And after the song, Albert uh, says, These are just kids. Grown-ups never believe in Santa. And that's when Father Mouse brings him into the Trundle's uh, workshop. And he's working on the clock. And Albert's attention immediately switches to, Ooh, how does this work? He talks about, you know, like the the uh, ball bearings and the rack and peanut steering. I'm, I don't remember what exactly he says. And neither does his dad. Yes. That's <laughs> it. It's like... There's a, the whole town is now depending on this clock to save Christmas. And we cut to the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the actual clock in town square. And it, it is a life-size clock tower where the clock goes, uh, how would you put it? Kerplunk. Kerplooey. Uh, as part of my prep for this episode and also to stay on brand with my pal Mike Westfall, I listened to Green Day's Kerplunk last week at work. <laughs> done i mean i do most weeks <laughs> uh and yes 2000 light years away still a brilliant song oh yeah that's one of my favorites of all time Ooh, maybe if the clock tower played that Ooh. <laughs> i mean it's it it can work santa get back here you're 2000 <laughs> light years away come on old chris kringle down the milky way that's what that's why that line makes sense Come back from space, Santa. Oh, but Kerplunk Kerplooey might be the most remembered dialogue of this whole special. Mm -hmm. But that comes later. First, we see the whole clock tower kind of twist and recoil as only a cartoon clock can do just before it dies. Uh, are you familiar with the video game Cuphead? No. Okay. There's this game i think it's for xbox or playstation one of the other things i don't have it's called cuphead all of the characters are hand drawn in the style of a 1920s 1930s like technicolor cartoon with like you got like the main bad guy is like creepy hairy devil and like everybody's kind of dancing to the music that clock breaking reminded me of a cuphead villain but if you go look that up it, it's it's a pretty amazing looking game and they actually hand drew all of the characters like paper mario sort of Sort of, but they actually hand-drew it to make it look like an actual 30s cartoon. Like, they kept it real. Uh, and they had, like, piano music and everything. It's it's very well done. This podcast brought to you by Cuphead. For a video game system I don't even own. 
Well, the clock dies, and uh, that sends Trundle's clock-making business into a tailspin. And he tries to go back to town hall to fix it, and the mayor tells him to go home in a few extra words. Oh, heck. Oh, heck, go home. And the Trundles start to fall on, excuse the clock pun, hard times. Hard times, Daddy. Hard times, Ric Flair. You haven't had to eat a, a spare crumb or, a, oh, what's he say a, about the an apple seed? Off the floor, daddy. An apple seed off the floor doesn't fall from an empty table, daddy. (laughs) So they're all starving. Which is also something you wouldn't normally see in, you know, a kid's, you know, Christmas special and a take on poverty for a bit. Right? They say winter arrives and it was really tough for the Trundles. And that means it was really tough for the Mouse family. And then Christmas Eve arrives. We cut right to Christmas Eve. It's dark already, so it's the night of Christmas Eve, and Trundle's kids say, no sense in hanging stockings unless you believe in miracles. And that brings us into our next big number of the special. Even a miracle needs a hand. You hope, and I'll hurry. You pray, and I'll plan. We'll do what's necessary, because even a miracle needs a hand. Which is also, I think, the most well-known piece of this for another reason we'll get into. We will. I love this song. I love its message. If you want to see a miracle happen, you have to put in some of the work and lay the foundation. It is a wonderful song and sung by uh, the aforementioned Joel Gray as Joshua Tremble. Yep. But the other reason why we love this song, and I'll let you uh, run with it. It was in South Park, weirdly enough. It was in South Park, word for word, not a parody they took this song word for word and put it in uh, one of their Christmas episodes, A Very Crappy Christmas. You love, we love, and I'll labor. Ta-la-la-la. You sit, we sit, and I'll stay. Ta-la-la-la. Get help from our next door neighbor, because even a miracle needs a hand. Yes. And it's the one where Mr. Hanky doesn't show up for Christmas, and they kind of retcon that first Spirit of Christmas short that uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone created where they introduced these characters that are now the main characters in South Park, which is now a 20-year-old show. I haven't watched South Park since um, since Obama was elected because they were like, oh, they're going to do a South Park episode about the election in two <laughs> days. And then that episode was about, like, a jewel heist. It had nothing to do with Obama winning. Like, at the very end of it, he wins. And I think that's where you get the celebrate good times. It's Obama, Obama. I don't know if that's the same one or... The way I'm remembering that one is that they have Obama and McCain, but they're really working together uh, in this jewel heist. And it was just, yeah, no matter who wins. So they just kind of threw that part in at the end as Mm -hmm. a a show like South Park can do. And they just, Obama happened to win, happened to win. (laughs) Oh, it's just history. But that's what they did. They must have recorded it twice, I guess. Unless I'm thinking of uh, that's in a different episode. I feel like it's the last time I made a point to actually watch an episode of South Park and go out of my way. So that was almost a decade ago. Yeah, that was a decade ago. It was 2008. But this episode was back in the year 2000. Yeah, and and Kyle sings it to Stan and Kenny. Of course, Kenny dies at the end of the number. But yeah, it's pretty straightforward. They didn't, you know, (laughs) do anything to subvert it or undercut it or... Well, kind of the whole special, it does pull and retcon that whole Spirit of Christmas short where they started, but the beats are kind of the same as 
as this, as Twas the Night Before Christmas. You have Mr. Hanky not showing up for Christmas, and it's for a different reason. It's family sick. He has a bespectacled son, Cornwallis, who's the Albert of that story. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he, uh, I guess it's the drive-in screen is broken, and he helps fix it. So they pull a lot from this special, and that's kind of, I guess I hadn't seen it for a while, or I was away at school, so I didn't have my tape of all my Christmas specials, and that kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, that exists. I need to go revisit that. And then since then, that's what made this, all right, this is now an annual viewing for me again. So thanks, South Park. For so much. (laughs) Even though we haven't watched you in 10 years. Because I think that (laughs) same uh, election episode was the last one I watched. So uh, Albert climbs inside the the clock. Yes. Well, Albert oversees the Trundle's optimism in this song. And he's overcome with guilt. And he breaks down. Waits until Christmas Eve to tell his dad he broke the clock. Albert broke the clock, everyone. Spoilers. And he waits until hours before midnight to tell his father and of course dad said is not enough to be sorry when you've done something wrong you have to correct the thing you did and i feel like i've said that exact sentence to my children without realizing <laughs> that that's not an original thought it's good parenting advice though it is good parenting advice life advice well and i've been there have you ever broken something that has ruined multiple people's day <sighs> well you you threw that question at me earlier today to think about it and my answer is, I want to say like a year or so after I learned to drive and uh, my mom's station wagon, I remember going to my friend Linda's house and for some reason the passenger door was open, like maybe my brother was getting out and I moved the car a bit and the door moved forward in the grass, like it was stuck in the grass and bent forward. Oh, no. And I think we were about to go to the shore and had to get the like keep the door shut like maybe it was like oh maybe like they wrapped twine or something to hold it in place when we drove down the tracks i I remember it because there wasn't enough time to get fixed as we were going to the beach in like two days so there's a story i don't think i've ever told before (laughs) well i also have one that is car related (laughs) because i hit a car in a parking lot because i couldn't find one of my contacts and thought eh, i'll be fine nope That was an expensive learning experience that ruined multiple people's days. It was only one other car, but it was multiple people in it. But it all ended decently, I guess. I don't know. But but Albert, that's his big light bulb moment. That's it. I'll fix the clock. That didn't occur to you before? (laughs) I guess it took, like, seeing the optimism at the last minute for him to kind of feel remorse. And want to fix the clock. And I'll fix the clock by midnight. And maybe Santa will. Whoa, 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 whoa. You believe in Santa Claus now? And he kind of backs it up. I don't know. But I've learned that I have a lot to learn. So sure. I would say, you know who else could have fixed this clock instead of of, uh, Albert? The guy who built it? Somebody who loves fixing clocks. Oh. Well, other yeah, Joshua Trundle couldn't, or they wouldn't let him fix it, right? They they shoot him away. The mayor told him not to go oh, in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, uh, somebody else who loves uh, taking apart clocks and watches and putting them back together, and also uh, uh, knows a bit about outer space and probably Copernicus. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? Oh, witness the birth of Christ! <laughs> no, I'm talking about Doctor Manhattan. Oh, jeez. It all comes back to Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
I was thinking of Doc Brown because his first oh. dog was Copernicus. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Happy Back to the Future Day. Different doctors who could travel through time. Yeah, there you go. No, Dr. Manhattan's father was a watchmaker. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Albert doesn't know how to fix a clock. Whatever, Pop. I got books. Brings the Copernicus book, which I'm fine believing because I fixed my shower after watching a YouTube video. So go ahead, mouse. <laughs> he goes in to fix the clock, and he's about 22 seconds slow, but the song begins blaring from the clock. <laughs> finally see santa flying overhead and this is an odd looking model of santa claus yeah he's, he's his cheeks are very rosy they are i think they were trying to keep him on brand to the actual night before christmas poem so they only throw in the details that that mentions because he's rather short and he's kind of squinty eyed and he's got the beard but no mustache we also didn't mention, but I really like the song that the clock plays, the Christmas chimes are calling. Yes. Santa, Santa. I like it better with the whole choir. They got a whole choir to make it for the big clock. When he shows it uh, to the mayor as a demo, it's just his two kids singing, which is cute, but you're not <laughs> going to hear that when you're up in space, apparently. <laughs> Santa Claus does go to space. He stops at the International Space Station. That's a thing that happens. Ask NASA. Yes, I mean, I, I, but NORAD includes that. I don't know if Google does, but NORAD totally includes that. Oh, I just found something uh, else about the uh, special going back earlier because oh, I just that? clicked on something else on Wikipedia. Okay, it was a CBS special originally. I think I knew that. Yes. It aired annually from 74 to 94, and that's when the Family Channel slash ABC's Family slash Freeform took it over. So they've had the rights okay. to it since 94. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if we're going back, I, I know there were other voices credited in this that really popped out to me, but we don't know because not a lot of other people have lines. I mean, there's a female voice, and that didn't even have a Wikipedia stub to it. But Bob McFadden is some voice in this. Do you know Bob McFadden by name? Uh, I know McFadden's the uh, restaurant bar inside of Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> I don't know if they're related. Bob McFadden is the voice of Frankenberry and Snarf. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I don't hear any sort of hint of either Snarf or Frankenberry in this special, but he's apparently a voice. Does Mrs. Trundle even speak? She's got maybe a line. Yeah. Just a passing line. And, I mean, it's probably the same voice as Mother Mouse, who, again... They don't even have a link on their on the Wikipedia page for this episode. So it's just somebody who happens to work for or is married to someone in the Rankin-Bass company. Looks like Bob McFadden did a lot of Rankin-Bass stuff, actually. He did. The Easter Bunny is coming to town. Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Okay. So a lot of the 70s stuff. He was also on Silverhawks, because if you were on uh, Thundercats, you are probably also on Silverhawks and Tiger Sharks. There you go. He oh, was wow. Trifecta. Oh, that's a hat trick. And then one last voice that stood out to me was Alan Swift, the voice of Simon Bar Sinister from Underdog. 
I do not know Underdog very well. Oh, he was kind of like the short mad scientist character. Sorry, uh, Jason Lee? Was it? The Underdog movie? Uh, you know, I think it might have been Dinklage. Uh, I thought Jason Lee wasn't, or um, I know he was Dave Seville. Yeah, it was Jason, yeah, Jason Lee and Peter Dinklage. Okay, yeah, so Dinklage was oh. uh, this character, the Simon Bar Sinister. Jason Lee was the voice of Underdog, that was it. Yes, 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 yes. I'm talking about Underdog, the original cartoon. Yes. Right. Alan Swift was that the voice of that Simon Bar Sinister character. He was also, are you familiar with the Rankin-Bass movie Mad Monster Party? Uh, did you do a special about that one? Not yet. Year? I have a feeling that it has come up. You know what? It just came up in the first Easter Rabbit episode I did with Brandon. But it's a it's a Halloween themed. It's like your Universal Monsters. Uh, but it's a full movie and it's kind of has more adult themes to it. It's it's not a kid's movie by any sense of the word. But it's the stop motion animation. And Alan Swift is almost every voice in that except for the main mad scientist guy who's Boris Karloff. <laughs> doing his Boris Karloff voice. But not Frankenstein. Hmm. Or Frankenberry. Uh, or Frankenberry. <laughs> so back inside the clock. Back inside the clock, it's fixed. Santa like makes a U-turn. We see him kind of kind of cruising around this guy in no hurry whatsoever, which just adds credence to my time machine theory. You always see Santa in the sky and he's just always strolling along at not the speed of light. And that's why he only works one night a year because this could take the rest of the year uh, in Santa's reckoning of time just to do one night of work if it's the time machine. And then we just get, you know, the actual poem, basically. Yeah, we end the special with just the rest of the night before Christmas. It took 20 minutes to set up, but we made it. And Trundle recites the rest of it in about three minutes, and we're done. Joey, what, if anything, did you learn? I learned that uh, if you read a book about Copernicus, you can fix a clock. <laughs> and not to uh, sign a letter to the editor, um, all of us. Sign it with your own darn name. See, I just learned never write to your local newspaper. <laughs> I'm guessing the Junctionville, whatever the paper is called. The Junctionville, Junctionville Register, I believe. I just, ooh, I'm guessing it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, probably not. It probably, or it's a website now and that's it. But it's got like national syndicated content on it. Yep. Boy, I don't miss that life. <laughs> it's a, a gannet, like USA Today. Yeah. You've used up your five articles about Santa Claus for the month. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's why he's not coming to Junctionville. <laughs> he didn't. And the paywall kept him out. Yeah. Well, Joey, if people want to get your attention via singing clock, in which direction on the internet should they point it? Oh, you can tweet me at I'm gonna DJ24 um, and listen to me on the internet radio at why not radio why not radio.net and last year's episodes i didn't plug our pop culture talk show which i should plug yes uh, which is words with nerds you can find it on our on demand page why not radio.net slash on demand you sadly can't find it on the uh, other larger podcast uh channels because somebody else came up with the same name pretty much at the same time yeah, that's such a shame but it is worth seeking out and listening to when they drop a new episode thank you uh, and thank you once again for stopping by the Advent Calendar House. Hopefully you'll drop in again before Christmas arrives. Uh, using a time machine, maybe I can. Ooh, could be. Well, until then, or 
I guess then could be any time. Uh, we're going to leave this one as is. And uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. We're the elves from Tis the Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tis the Podcast is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Join us each week as we rank, review, and discuss all your favorite Christmas movies and television shows. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes it's a verbal brawl. But each and every week is guaranteed to be fun. Come join us. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Hanukkah, Hanukkah. No, not Hanukkah, Hanukkah. No, how do you spell it? C H H H H H A N U K A H. No, the word Hanukkah is spelled with a. That's an H. No way. C H. Okay. Okay. Even if it's C H, it's not. It's. Oh. Am I lamb? It's time, clock reference, to four and a, oh, <laughs> take two.